Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening. Welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, my guests are the native sibling. Siblings can be rivals, competing for attention and sometimes taking their conflicts to open warfare. Add the pressures of fame and creative tension and legendary skirmishes are born. Ray and Dave Davies from the Kinks used to get in fistfights both on stage and off, and they are far from the only examples of sibling strife in the music business. But siblings can also work together and create a whole that is even greater than the sum of what would otherwise be non-blood relation parts. The siblings that make up the Los Angeles-based duo, the native sibling Ryan and Kaylee Williams, grew up in pastoral Santa Cruz, California. But it wasn't until Ryan visited Kaylee while she was studying in Ireland that their creative collaboration would begin to germinate. Kaylee had been moonlighting, singing traditional folk songs in local pubs when Ryan took a break from his busy schedule as a professional guitarist to visit her. There, some 5,000 miles from their homes in California, their musical paths had converged, and they realized that they had found themselves at a point where the new songs that were spilling out necessitated making music together. They dubbed their collaboration The Native Sibling and released an EP, toured up and down the California coast, and then raised funds for a full-length album. The result will be 2014's Letters Kept to Ourselves, and the record features sparse acoustic instrumentation, shared melodies, and warm harmonies on 10 songs that speak to the kind of unique artistic perspective that sibling cooperation can generate. Welcome to Independence Day, The Native Sibling. Thank you. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. It's great Beautiful. to have you guys. I'm looking forward to talking to you. I, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. We here. do have a lot to talk about. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, I met you guys just recently at a Halloween party. Very yeah. true. Which Interesting is, circumstance to meet someone in. Totally. And to meet someone dressed as, uh, I, I don't what were your costumes again? Tell me. I was the Tapatio man. Yeah, like the, the hot Tapatio sauce man. guy. Yeah. Like the little. Yeah, you know. I was Frida Kahlo. So yeah. I had a nice unibrow drawn on that night. Indeed. That was Indeed. a great unibrow. <laughs> and a five o'clock shadow mustache. Let's not forget. Yeah. Had to go all in. Yeah. In, indeed. Well, yeah. I mean. Some people don't like Halloween. I love Halloween. Like what I, were you, Joe? I was uh, a sheriff, Rick Grimes mm-hmm. from The Walking Dead. Who I, I I've been told that I favor Rick Grimes, especially okay. when I haven't shaved in a few days. Like sure. Everywhere I go, it used to be. I, this, this is true. It used to be Vigo Mortensen. I would okay. be. I would be. I had longer hair once upon I could a time. See that. I was Actually, out now in the that world. You say that. And people are like, hey, you you look like Vigo. But then when The Walking Dead started, everybody was like, oh yeah, you look like that sheriff guy. So I figure if I look like the guy, I got one day I got to do the costume. So it was a good costume. That's great. It You're was, yeah. I'd, I'd agree with, with the resemblance there. It was fun. And we were at uh, Matt Farber's party. Shout out yeah. to Matt Farber. Shout out to Matt. He's our mm-hmm. mutual friend, our first mutual friend. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully yeah. hopefully many more. It's a pleasure to meet you guys and have you on. Because you guys make great Thank music. You. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I was saying this as we were setting up tonight. Like I love, well, I love a lot of different music for a lot of different reasons. But I love quiet music because I feel like when you're loud or fast even, you can hide a lot of your mistakes because they all blow past yeah. or it's too loud and there's so much stuff. But when you're quiet, there's usually your, instru- your, your songs, it's just your voices and a guitar and maybe a couple other little instruments mixed in. You're very exposed. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of room that. for, I don't know, any mistake. It's, it can be nerve wracking at times because there's just, so much space in between everything yeah um 
but it's really nice having someone to sing with yeah. all the time because at least it gives you the confidence of, all right, you know, I'm here with someone else. Yeah. You know, there's like, there's shared duties and that yeah, sort of thing shared, within the band. Yeah. Shared like vulnerability almost though, too. Of yeah. Someone else is there feeling that same kind of nervousness. Is yeah. Sure. But there is that confidence that you get. Yeah. At least that I, I well, get yeah, there's, out of this, you know. There's something in the human experience. If there's one other person there, mm-hmm. you know, it really changes the dynamic. You know, I've played shows for eons, it feels like. And I, I don't really like solo shows that much. Because it's, it's like not even a function of all the pressure being on me, but I get kind of bored with just me. Like, I like the interaction of playing with somebody, you yeah, know, presenting I something. Yeah. Really, uh, that's something that I really like about music. But in this, in this situation, it's not just anybody that's up there with you. This is your sister, and that's your brother. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting sometimes when I look over or something because I can see you at every age, oh, man. you know, in a weird way. And it's like, it's hey, it's like 12-year-old Kaylee playing piano, or it's, hey, it's... 23 year old Kaylee playing piano yeah or we always talk about how especially with siblings or you know close family friends how they kind of stop at a certain age and so you're like perpetually you know 18 in my mind yeah, yeah. for whatever but, reason Kaylee is always like 12 or 13 <laughs> although you're not but so it's just Kaylee on stage things. do you picture him like sitting on your head and farting like he did when uh, he was younger well, or still no gonna happen. <laughs> yeah yeah still stills going on So tell me, you know, what about being kids together informed your ability to be able to do this as adults? You know, did you ever Mm. even imagine, did you grow up in a musical household? Was there music around in your house? Yeah, we did grow up around music. Um, We both started taking piano lessons involuntarily at a young age. Our parents both played music a bit in high school and college and stuff like that, like in concert band. Um, And they... They wanted us to do a lot of things after school. And so (laughs) we did soccer and baseball and piano. And that was one of those things. And then our dad started trying to learn guitar. And he bought me a guitar so we could do it together. And I hated it at first. Yeah, I thought it was like the worst thing ever. I was eight or nine years old. My fingers hurt. I couldn't play the songs I wanted to play. And I literally just threw it aside. What were those songs that you wanted to play that you weren't playing? Um, I don't remember exactly, but knowing my dad, it was probably Eagles or Jimmy Buffett. Okay. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I could see why you would have an aversion. Yeah. Learning and, uh, how to play Take I It mean, Easy. I mean, it's all fun. Cheeseburgers <laughs> in Paradise. And honestly, you know, I actually, there was a period in my life where I actually loved both those artists. And, yeah. And all due respect, the Eagles were, they did a lot of cool things. That was our first concert. Okay. The Eagles. That's true. It was at the Salinas Fairgrounds. It's a pretty good I place believe. to start. Yeah. You know, there was there's respectable musicians. Yeah. Oh, they and their really harmonies are. are great. Yeah, harmonies are great. Songwriting is pretty solid. Yeah. I mean, so maybe got, that was instilled in us yeah. at a younger age, but uh we never played together. We were we were brother and sister. We wanted nothing to do with each other for the longest time. How kind many how far apart are you two? We're two years apart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's almost Irish twins. In a way, <laughs> as they say, mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty close. You yeah, know, two years, you know, so it's it's close enough. Yeah. I mean, I, a little man, less than two years, I guess. But so, you know, I myself, you know, I have a lot of siblings. I was yeah. the oldest, and I I tried so hard to recruit my siblings into playing instrument because I thought, what could be better than to have my siblings in a band? Because I'm the oldest, I can boss them around, of course. But yeah. 
just to have, you know, that family connection, you know, because you are connected as a family. You know, when you grow up with somebody, you know all their dirty little secrets. You know what grade they, you know, did crappily in geometry. Right. And you know what they're afraid of, you know, and you can use that power for good or for evil. Yeah. But, you know, but there's a connection there. And I think that, you know, when, when artists are able to capture that, and make it a positive thing, you know, like I referenced the Davies brothers from the Kinks and right. when your intro there, like those guys would get in fights, fist fights. Yeah, that was a pretty brutal relationship. You know, and then there's the <laughs> Oasis guys, those two uh-huh. guys from the they, they don't, they bicker and fight all the time. Yeah, that's kind of over. Uh, and Dawes, they have siblings. The drummer do, is, yeah. the, right. is the uh, Taylor Goldsmith's, uh, it's his brother, I don't remember the his drummer's younger name. Brother, yeah. His younger brother, yeah. Younger brother. Yeah. And he was a kid when they started out too. He was really young. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of glad we didn't start playing together earlier because it, I think it would have been a disaster because only think... just a couple of years ago did we start liking the same kind of music. I think that's a lot of why, like, neither of us were really in a place where we wanted to do a project like this. Yeah. I'd say until the last couple of years ago because I started out and was pretty much, like, strictly classical piano. Okay. Um, uh, throughout college, like, throughout my second year, I was taking lessons and still pursuing that and and doing that and had done some jazz but then when I started playing guitar that's kind of you know in the last four or five years when I started writing and and singing and wanting to do that sort of thing on my own so we kind of independently were pursuing things and then it was this weird like confluence you know yeah let's hear the music itself we've got a track queued up here it's from this new record it's coming out early next year it's called letters kept to ourselves we should see it by about February or so, you think? Yeah, we're thinking spring. Okay, what's well, yeah. hoping in L.A., that's spring. It's always, it's always, <laughs> it's always spring. It's always, always sunny. spring in yeah. L.A. It is always sunny in L.A. So this is the track, Oh Sing. The band is The Native Sibling. It's Ryan and Kaylee Williams. So very happy to have them as guests on my show tonight. Let's listen to this. Told to 
missing my soul. And that is the Native Sibling. I'm so very happy to bring them to you. They're great. They're a new-ish band. They're from Santa Cruz originally, but they formed kind of in Ireland, and now they live in L.A. So they're kind of an international... We're all over the place. They are kind of all over the place. You can learn about their uh, everything that they do, where they're playing, when the record's coming out, all that kind of stuff. Drop by thenativesibling.com, and they are fully web... uh, Expressed. That's not the right word. You're fully web enabled. Your web presence is is a is a big web presence. You've got Facebook.com/slash the native sibling, Instagram.com/slash the native sibling, the native sibling and of course you can follow them on the Twitters at native sibling. Who manages all your all that social media? Do you guys do it yourself? A, it's a mixture, you know. Um, I would say yeah. Ryan definitely. Is I taught in, Kaylee how to tweet today. Actually, that's so true. Really? Yeah. I I, I walked her through the good old retweet. The good old favorite, all yeah. that stuff. I've resisted that one for a while. I resisted Instagram for a while, too. I'm kind of newer to that one. You resisted an iPhone for a while as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, you I don't did. hear that from... She's you. relatively resistant. I, w- I was holding a flip phone until last March. A clamshell phone. If I, if I mm-hmm. may, yeah. you, you don't see that from the younger generation so much. I thought that those things were like completely attached to, to, your, yeah. to your hands. Yeah, yeah. I... I don't know. I actually, this is kind of an interesting thing. Like I was the, I think my age group or whatever, and I guess yours too, but I didn't have a cell phone until the middle of high school. That's when it started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Cause like right when I got my license, I got a cell phone and that made our parents really happy. Cause then they could call me at any given moment. Yeah. Tabs, right. yeah. The electronic leash. You know where yeah, you are at all times. Exactly what it was. Man, I'm not I'm gonna date myself, but I, I never even sent an email until after college. There was no internet really. I mean there it, it existed. That's gotta be but I don't know. That, that's gotta be kinda nice though. Well in it, a way. It uh, well yeah, in a way because I feel like my generation, which is like Gen X, we kind of straddle that line because mm-hmm. we remember the world before everything was disposable, before the internet, you know, made everything virtual. You know, we had we had to if we were going to a music festival, you know, with a hundred thousand people, we would say, "Okay, well, we got to meet at this specific tree or this specific corner at two o'clock, sure. and we'll come back at two thirty, and then we'll come back at three. And if you're not there by three thirty, you're on your own." You know, but we had to like because there was no other way to do that. Like you couldn't just go and be like, oh, "I'm just going to count on. I'll just call him when I get there. I'll text him when I get there." Yeah, you, know, you had to make plans. More planning, yeah. You know, it was, a, it was a different world, man. It's interesting. I was. I went up to Hardly Strictly a couple weeks ago, and I, that's all I did all weekend. I literally just was texting people. I have enough, you know, just enough friends up there that it was, yeah. I didn't really have to plan it, and it was nice. And that's kind of the ultimate festival to not plan either, because you don't have to buy tickets or anything. Here's a, here's a weird technical question, and we'll kind of ease back into music. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you think you can navigate without your smartphone, like directions to get somewhere? Like if you... Ooh. Because that's something I always wonder about. Like we're all so dependent sure. on our phones now for where to we're going, where to get somewhere. I mean, some people I know they don't know how to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. They just plug the address in and they set their phone on the dash or wherever they have it, and then they just start it, and the phone tells them where to go. They don't. They're not actually navigating. They're just listening, and sure. <laughs> you know, they're they're slaves to their phone. You know, do you think you can get around without your phone? So, well, I feel like within LA. There's probably very few places where I could navigate to. I mean, prior to my iPhone usage, 
you know, you kind of, you just look at maps and you kind of figure out, okay, this is yeah. where I'm going. You like have your post-it note, your yeah. four turns or yeah. whatever. And like you map quest it, it, but you're too cheap to buy new printer ink. And so you always write it down. Yeah. yeah old receipt. Totally. Forever. Holding yeah. It, yeah. Writing it down on the back. I think I could navigate and maybe this is a stubborn male, but I, I notice when people do that thing and they only use their GPS. I notice those people every time I see that. So I feel like I'm I'm removed from that. I'm not yeah. one of those people because I can notice it. Yeah, so won't be long, man. Hopefully. The cars will be driving us around. We won't even won't even just tell us to tell the car where to take us, and it'll take us there. Yeah, it's happening, man. I don't want to go. Is that there. one car that can park itself or yeah. whatever that is? They drive themselves, man. It's yeah. coming along. So <laughs> so well, let's let's get back into music. We could talk about technology all night. <laughs> let's yeah. <laughs> um, you know, music is uh, is what, what what binds us. It's like the force. It's what binds us together. It's true. Um, and Matt me, Farber. And Matt Farber, of yeah. course, for now at least. Um, so we talked about your family being like a little bit musical growing yeah. up, but there's another like weird musical uh, loop that closes in. Joy Williams from the Civil Wars mm-hmm. was your nanny growing up. Yep, she, like your babysitter. Like what role? Did yeah, she play? kind of that thing. Um, okay, she actually went to the same church that we went to when we were okay. kids, and yeah, just a family friend and. We're not that much younger than her, really. So, yes, she was our nanny for a little while. And, and then... Because she was doing music from the time that she was very young. Like, yeah. Record I, labels tried to sign her when she I was like 15, 16 years old. I remember singing all the time. And then I didn't really pay attention to what she was doing at that time because I didn't really well, connect with that kind of music. At, like, I was more into like punk rock and stuff, so... Like contemporary Christian music just didn't do anything for me. Yeah. So I remember her like getting signed or moving somewhere like when she was about 17. Yeah. She moved out to Nashville. Yeah. I remember that. That was a really big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Because you just remember her like singing, you know, like she'd sing at church and then. Yeah. And there's this period where like, okay, she's she's not here anymore. She's coming back for the holidays. Yeah. Yeah, Like a special guest kind of thing. Which is really cool cool. because she's been doing this for so long. Yeah. And to see her, I mean, it seems like she's had a lot of success over the years, like relative to most musicians, but now she's really got it yeah a whole different scale you know? yeah it's a definitely a different scale i did some research on her because she was your nanny i wanted to see what her background was all about i didn't know much about her i didn't even know she was from santa cruz until i started talking to you about yeah, this kind of thing i just assumed she was there. from the southeast somewhere but she had a lot of success several albums like in the christian world uh-huh. mm-hmm. moved to nashville but then the funny thing to me is how fast the civil wars just exploded like they made yeah. their record. It wasn't that many years ago. It was only like three years ago or so. Yeah, it's and been a they, relatively quick thing. I feel like it's a, I don't know. I hate to sound like this, but I feel like we got a little more insight into what she was doing because like, I don't know. I followed her like personal music page and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I feel like we were probably hip to the Civil Wars a little bit before most people. Well, I'm sure you were. And I, I mean, hate, she I hate was your nanny. Like that guy, but. Yeah, well, no, but you know, it's yeah, yeah it's, it's funny, like that overnight success thing, or whatever, or if even if we're not calling this that, but that's always a funny thing, you know, like you when kn- people catch on when yeah. the majority of people catch on to something, and 
you never it's know when lightning is going to strike. Years, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. You know the uh, you know the Cohen brothers. I always think about Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, you know, cause mm-hmm. I liked that style of music before that record, before that movie came out. That's and I was, what I was, sparked Mumford and Sons. Yeah, yeah and I was a Cohen brothers fan. And I remember, Thank you know, you. literally my, my best friend and I and his girlfriend went to see it in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And because I love the Coen Brothers. I, so I knew of the Coen Brothers long before that. So I was very excited to see the new Coen Brothers movie. And then, the you know, when it was set, it was such a unique peri- period piece. And I, I literally walked across the street out of the theater into a record store and bought the soundtrack. Like, it's so within, good. Within mm-hmm. eight minutes of the end of the credits, I had a copy of that soundtrack. And yeah. I think a lot of people did that. A Millions lot of people bought of that people did that. Yeah. And it really, I think it, I mean, it, and it won Grammys and it, it really changed music a little bit, I think, for the better. Yeah, yeah I think it really I, made a platform. I could honestly say that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah. And that was the first, I was kind of still coming into like my own movies at that time, but that was one of the first ones that I bought on DVD, yeah. got the soundtrack. Yeah. I researched who the Coen brothers was, you know. Yeah. Like that just knowing more about the movie. Like I didn't really do that before. Yeah. It's uh, it was, it was a light, it was a lightning rod moment where yeah. like, so like if something happened and like the, it, it was, it didn't just resonate throughout like a, a niche, you know, style, everybody, like it was in people magazine and time magazine and everybody knew about it. And it, millions of people went out and bought it. And it's nice to hear something yeah. that was always kind of your little thing that you carried around you know, pe- some people turn away from it when it becomes mass market, but I kind of like it in a way because it's like, ah, you yeah, get like it now. Are yeah, I love that. Understanding Gosh, I love that maybe. movie so much. You know, you just it's you, so good. And then you have, then you can share it with like your mom, right? Or you know, your your neighbor or whoever. Yeah, you and know. It's, it's like general audience friendly, but it's all about this one thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I just like the color of that movie is so washed out all yeah. the time. Yeah. Like the opening scenes and some of the scenes where they're on like dirt roads and stuff. Yeah. It's almost black and white. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, like, it's like sepia tone. Yeah. Almost. It's really cool. Just the coloring in that movie is beautiful. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and how it's kind of loosely based off the Odyssey. And yeah. there's so many things about it that just make it perfect. Yeah. And, yeah. and the Coen You can't knock the Coen But yeah. Speaking of the Coen Brothers, let's tie it back into folk music. They're in uh, uh, Lewin Davis. Inside Lewin movie, Davis. Inside Lewin Davis yeah. is coming out in just a few weeks. Looking forward to that. I'm really excited that about one. that one. Yeah. Which will, you know, maybe maybe we'll have a big like turtleneck sweater folk revolution <laughs> yeah. coming up after. Because T-Bone's <laughs> I, involved in this too, isn't he? T-Bone yeah. Burnett? I believe so, uh, yeah. Man, that they did guy. This, I guess they did this show in New York or they're going to do it for the premiere of that okay. thing and they have like every... Every folk band we look up to yeah. playing at it. Well, there's the, you know, cool. the Spinal Tap, the Folksmen did that kind of thing too, a little bit, kind of mm-hmm. satirizing this, but this will do it in a different way. It'll be like, like me look, the Coen brothers are more, although they're, they're satire, but they're also reverent in a way. They really are. You know, they will, yeah. they will find a way to make this cool somehow, even though it's sometimes a little square, they'll make it cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have, I have a good feeling about this movie. Yeah. We were watching the trailer the other night and yeah. just getting... I think Getting Willie excited. Watson's in the movie yeah. or something. Justin too. Timberlake is in that movie. Yeah. Right. I mm-hmm. haven't figured out what I think about that guy yet. He's talented. Oh, you know? yeah. I think he's awesome. I love all of his records. I love his voice. I love his beatboxing. I like him as an actor. How do you like him as part of NSYNC? At the time, that was fine. <laughs> that was yeah. totally fine. I got, Yeah. I have nothing against NSYNC. 
Yeah. That's not what I listen to, but... It's, it's so not. far yeah, out of my good, wheelhouse yeah. that I don't even feel like I've got the cred to judge. Yeah. I can't even I can't, I can't even say if they're good or bad. I don't know, man. Yeah. Anyway, so why don't you guys play some music? You guys brought some... Yeah. Uh, you brought your guitar into the studio here. You know, live, you pretty much stick to just this lineup. It's just the two of you so far, generally speaking. We've brought in a couple other people that are um, playing with us now, but the core of it is just us, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And today Again. we're just doing even more stripped down. It's just me on guitar. Usually yeah. Kaylee's playing piano and some harmonium. Yeah. It's funny to think about you guys like keeping it simple because it's already so simple. True. Yeah, it's kind of a <laughs> like, it's, redundant it's, thing for but us. But it's fun. It's nice for you, Kaylee, because you don't have to bring anything. Yeah. You know? don't have to lug around my keyboard today. Beautiful. It's Nords a beautiful thing. All right. So what's this tune going to be? We're doing a tune called um, Save Home. And this is not from the new record, correct? This is off our EP that we released last year. Um, yeah, this was one of the first songs that we ever recorded together. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, and how long was the timeline between the time that you wrote? Like, did you was this something that was started in Ireland when you went to the visit, or something that came so later? So we kind of we were both writing independently. I think when you were in Ireland, like we sang some songs together, and we're just kind of realizing that oh hey, you know what we're writing is similar and. Um, I was still living over there for a few more months. Uh, so when I got back, it's kind of when we started writing together and bringing songs to the table. And that's kind of what the EP turned into was those recordings. Yeah, we just I'd sent, gotten back. sent songs back and forth for a while, just emailing them and stuff. <laughs> Through the miracle of technology. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is one of those songs. Indeed. All right, let's hear this, guys. This is the track Save Home. You can find this on their EP, available at shows and on the interwebs is also, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the EP is called Water Too Deep, Words Too Shallow. Am I correct on that? Yes. All right, came you out just it. last year. Mm-hmm. Soon to be two years ago, though. We we're about to flip a year. I know. Oh, boy. I know. Scary. Man, the older <laughs> you get, the faster it goes. I hate to break it to you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right, the native sibling here on Independence Day. I 
that I've changed But we've both gotten off on our ways To have stayed or passed by Oh no, it might never be the same now Even if we try And you say, you say That is the native sibling. They are comprised of actual siblings, Ryan and Kaylee Williams, originally from Santa Cruz, California, based in Los Angeles, at least for the time being. That track is called Save Home, and I love a track in three. I love anything with a waltz, man. It's so cool. So many bands, especially because, you know, rap has now become like, and hip hop's like the prevalent music in our society yeah pop music it's kind of pop rap and so much of that is just because it's such a driving beat it's all in four yeah you know so in you really don't find you find three in like folk music and then some rock music and Mm -hmm. poppy rock folky music but man kudos to you for writing a song in triple meter yeah thank you that was actually um another shout out here um our friend john zambricki produced our ep there and it was his idea to have a song in three. Yeah. Yeah, or he's the one kind of pushing. Like, yeah. we had a, a yeah. batch of songs, and he was, he was he's pushing like, for this one. We need one fast one. Uh-huh. Like, a, you know, being a producer, he's like, we need one faster one, one slower one, one in, you know, the waltz kind of thing. Yeah. So That's a rule for me, both as an artist and as a producer. All my records will always have a song in three, at least one. You know, sometimes yeah. more if possible, but it, there has to be one. I think it's there's something in the human psyche. It just, it's, like a, it's like the ginger in the album. It mm-hmm. resets your palate, <laughs> you know. Anyway, I'm trying to think if our new record has a song. I know. It, we might have broken the rule. Uh, we might have broken well, our own golden rule, rule here. Yeah. But we'll know. find out in February. Yeah. You still time? I guess you could throw <laughs> something on there. We might have to go back. How malleable are your songs once you've got an arrangement? Do you tend to stick really close to that arrangement? or Because you haven't been playing together that terribly long, I guess. Yeah. I mean, right. You mean one, as far as like taking an uh, album track and performing it live do we change yeah it? well there's that uh i think jeff tweedy once said like well people were getting angry at him for changing his songs a lot he's like look they're my songs if i want to smash them apart yeah and reassemble them in a different the way that, yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, you know it's mine i can do whatever i want to with it so i mean that's one thing as as maybe this happens as after you've been playing like your second album third album yeah i, don't feel I, like I love deconstructing yet. them we mm-hmm. we change them slightly we might add like a little bit of an intro or an outro but for the most part, we stick to it because there's not that many places to go when you're when yeah. you have two instruments, you know? And you're not a jam band at Definitely all. Definitely not. There's not like an improvisatory it's, aspect to what you guys are doing, really. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. I feel like these... We just try and do them justice every yeah. time. So if that means putting in a little uh, intro or something, yeah. then... And your songs are crafted. 
you know, in this in this genre, which is not uncommon for the genre, and you certainly are. You know, you it sounds to me as if you work hard to put the right things in the right places and leave out the things that shouldn't be there. So when you get that like golden arrangement, mm-hmm. like you're hard pressed to improve upon it. Like you feel like you've created like that that yeah, inspiration. You absolutely, know? that was something too that we just, gosh, like I don't know. We've been listening to music for so long, and it's always for me it's fun to like listen to an artist live watch an artist live and they change up something you know they throw in an intro that just totally throws you for a for a loop and yeah but when we were working on this most recent record um our producer daniel was he was just saying like i don't know he had so much wisdom to give us but he he was always saying like you know just because you're doing something new doesn't mean it's better yeah and I feel like we've, at least we've fallen, maybe like kind of starting to fall into that trap a little bit now with some of these songs that are about a year old. And yeah, because I, f- yeah, I feel like because they can be boring or a little bit monotonous, like in a rehearsal or something. And you're like, hey, what if we just sped it up and put that in there? And yeah, you know, but like, is it better? Uh, Who knows? And that's like that's our impression of the song. You know, like for us, these songs we've you know, mold over in our heads and been really intentional about lyrics and what, what we want them to be. And they've been around us for so long, but you always know that when you're performing that, you know, hopefully some new ears are out there. So, yeah. When you, when you went into the producer, what was his name? I'm sorry. His name was Daniel Mendez. Daniel Mendez. So when you started Mm -hmm. working with Daniel, uh, how much did he change what you, cause you, you approach him and mm-hmm. say, okay, I've got these songs you play them for him or give him a tape or whatever. Yep. I mean, most producers will then come back and say, okay, I think you should, you know, depending every producer uh, artist relationship is, is different and unique, but you know, sometimes as myself as a producer will say, okay, that's fantastic. But I really think that this bridge should be the chorus. And yeah. I really think that like this first verse should be the third verse, and then you should repeat this phrase here. Like, were you? Sometimes artists can get extremely precious about because they've worked very hard at creating what they think is this great version. Like, did you guys? Did it was it like a fluid thing? Did it was it a good relationship? You did know, you ever think, worry about it? I think um, like the reason that we wanted to work with Daniel was because he was someone who we'd listened to some of the records he'd done, and it was an opinion that we really trusted him. And the more that we got to know him as a person um, and is, yeah, someone that we trusted. Um, he took you know, a lot of his advice. Yeah, there were definite, definitely a lot of suggestions. Um, well, I feel like in some of the songs, like we just hadn't figured them all the way out yet. Um, out of the, we, we went in with about 20 songs and the first couple days we just recorded them all live. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to do that. Scratch tracks or whatever you call them. And we all listened back with our own notepads and stuff and just made notes. And then we all compared notes. And that was kind of a fun thing because even that early on, there was some things just listening back to a song. Like we hadn't necessarily heard ourselves sing these songs yet without playing them. And even right then, there was some things that were like, wow, that verse is so long. Or, you know, that first, the opening lyric line isn't, it's not all that good or, or whatever. And so that was a really cool moment. Um, and I think Daniel saw that we were like really willing to work the stuff out and try and make it as best we could. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. where he entered. And I, you know, I think he felt comfortable in giving us ideas. We were open to it. Okay. Yeah. And, and Kaylee, you hit, you hit the nail on the head right away. Cause you said the word trust. 
Yeah. Because that's the type of like yes. human, uh, not construct. Just but where like, it comes back to of like, you know, like these songs are like your, your little babies or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, like you don't want to just let anyone... Yeah. Take your child away, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, like, but, you know, and then he has to earn your trust, but then, because otherwise, why have a producer? I mean, if you, if you know exactly how everything should be, why is he there or she? Yeah. Uh, you know, so, I mean, I, I love producing albums. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world because I love, like, helping someone else achieve, the, like, the best possible version of what they're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, yeah. to your point, uh, Ryan, was that, you know, when you're the artist, you're not listening to what you're doing. You're actively doing it. You know, some people will record themselves and listen back and kind of critique themselves that yeah, way. Yeah. But then, you know, it, when you're in that position, I mean, I've loved the times that I've been able to do that because, you know, it's like I can, having listened to all these different things my whole life, I like right away things jump out at me and I think, oh, that's fantastic. But that's, that's your first line. That's not your second verse. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of those moments. And just helping us clean up tempos and... Just the stuff we hadn't wise. gotten to, really. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's, and we wrote two songs that are on the record in that studio. Yeah. He had a really cool spot. It was nothing glamorous, but it was, You're I think. Comfortable? That's the Very comfortable. And I think you hear it on the record. I think you hear the space. You hear the walls and it's. It doesn't sound like you're in this giant warehouse, gaudy yeah. studio. It sounds like you're in a. A couple small rooms. Yeah. With like yeah. A, kind of hold up in a little spot with some old wood on the wall yeah well the production should suit the music you know every era has got its own like production style i mean i remember when the first fleet foxes record came out oh yeah i was shocked because like oh my god reverb's back in a big way you know now it's reverb again because it wasn't you know the 90s were very dry Mm -hmm. in the early on the aughts too were very you know everything was you know there were effects of course yeah uh and the 80s was more delayed 80s was like gated snares and you know gated reverbs on the toms and Mm -hmm. guitars were all chorusy and lots of effects in the 80s and it's very distinctive but even that's back now there's some bands now that are doing like an 80s revival for sure i forget the name of that band i keep hearing on kcsn all the time but Hmm. they they sound they think you could i mean the the vocal sound is different but the whole band Everything else, you could, you could put an 80s vocal sound on it, it could drop right out of 1987. Yeah. Very, very different. Very distinct. Good year. Good year. Yeah, that was a good year. Yeah. When <laughs> I was 17. When uh, Ryan was born. Yeah, when Ryan was <laughs> When born. I was zero. Yeah, exactly. So how about another tune for us? What have you got lined up for us now? Yeah, this next song is uh, it's called Carry You. This one's off the new record. Yeah, we just released, um, this is the first song we've released off the new record as well. We just put it out with a uh, music video, a one-take music video. On YouTube kind of thing? Yeah. You can is that find the one where you guys are like in the field? Uh, we're walking walking out of this barn and then, Okay, yeah. so I, just, I watched a different video though. You guys have another video. We do have one. Where you're, mm-hmm. you're kind of in the, like a field of some kind. Yeah, we're like in a field. and a, all, so all of our stuff kind of like revolves around like forest stuff. and... At least till this point, yeah. we're just really inspired by that. And growing up in Santa Cruz near the Redwoods. Yeah. You know, oh, that, that's Redwoods. Gosh, that's such a huge part of our childhood. Yeah. And so, yeah, this song we shot a video in Santa Cruz for. 
Um, and it's a cool one take video, so you should check it out. All right. And YouTube's where the best place to find that. It's probably yeah. on your website too, is a link yeah, to that. Yeah, it's, kind of mm-hmm. so. it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's on billboards, it's on <laughs> blimps. You know. It's on the Jumbotron at the Laying World on the Series. beach in Santa Monica. There's a plane flying by yeah. in the back. So. It's amazing. All right. So once again, the Native Sibling, very, very happy to bring you them as my guest tonight on Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. We'll be back right after this. The song is called Carry You.
Joe Armstrong here. That is the native sibling, Ryan and Kaylee Williams. They are from Santa Cruz, live in Los Angeles now. Met them at a Halloween party recently, and they are great. They make great music. They make quiet music because the thing that's cool about quiet music is there isn't stuff there that shouldn't be. It's stripped it's, down. It's easy, to, yeah. it's easy to just keep adding stuff, and I'm very guilty of that myself because I like, I like complex tastes in both food and music. Like, I like to notice little things the 30th time I've listened to something. But you take a page out of like Gillian Welch's songbook yep. or, or page book or rule book or whatever. And take it's a ev- rule book at this point. Take everything away. Yeah. You know, there's nothing there that shouldn't be there at all. And kudos to you for doing that, man. Very, very cool. Beautiful song. Thank you. And looking forward to this record uh, in Yeah, February. it should be fun. Along the lines of being stripped down, we didn't do too much besides what we do. We didn't add, there's no thrills to it. You really? say no thrills? I think, I think yeah. there's thrills. I think there's... <laughs> I don't think there's any like huge things happening. Electric guitar like it's, solo, it's just this, yeah. the subtleties that we yeah. focused on, you know? Yeah, well, you know, they think of... Sculpting is a subtractive art. You start with a rock and you take away what shouldn't be there, is what I've heard it described as. But music is an, is an additive art, you know? But you can almost think of it as subtractive in a way. Because mm-hmm. you know, it's easy, like I said before, it's easy to just keep adding things and you know flesh them out and make them big arrangements. But you know, in this band, you know, there's two of you really, yeah. and even though you may add other musicians, it doesn't really suit the music to have other stuff. At least not yet. You know, maybe no, you'll not grow. At all. Like, yeah, especially not yet. Who knows where we'll go in the future with it? But yeah, well, um, as we were setting up, we were talking about Sam Beam from Iron and Wine, yeah. who started out as quiet as you were. There's only one of him, like on his porch with his four track making He's those probably recordings. Probably even quieter. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. hushed, you know, and like yeah. overdub slide guitar, but I'll still acoustic one guitar, one voice, yeah. couple, you know, a few overdubs. But then he's just expanded his universe. It's huge now. Yeah, he's interesting because Kaylee and I have been talking about this, but there's a couple artists that have tried to bridge the folk to world musician gap. Yeah, where I feel like that's kind of where Sam music is living now yeah without getting all paul simon about it or like david byrne about it like they're doing it in a whole different way yeah there's a lot of like saxophones and conga drums and things well sam beams you know he's on tour right now he just played in la and he played twice this since summer and he's got if i remember correctly you know bass drums keyboards three chick singers three horns and three strings that's a lot of people. Like if you listen to his first record and imagine that a few years later he would have like 15 people in his band or 12 people in his band, like how could you even hear it's that? It's kind of wild. Yeah. yeah. But it works. It totally you know, works. No, that's the thing that's so beautiful about it. Yeah, he's doing it, it really tastefully. I yeah. still really like his stuff. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. Let's shift gears. I want to I go in a different direction. Let's talk a little bit about like, like L.A., as a music place because this mm-hmm. is, you know, you're not from here, nor am I, but we've both come here to, all of us have come here to make music. I mean, the LA scene's kind of strange. It's it seems uh, it's got like multiple identities, multiple personalities. Like yeah. where do you where do you fit into this scene, or, or do you? Um, Kaylee, you probably have a lot <laughs> more fresh. Well, yeah, um, yeah. Like I've only been here for a few months, and um, I was actually talking to someone the other day, and they were saying that the identity of LA is that it almost doesn't have an identity, which I thought was kind of a cool idea and just from my perspective of being pretty fresh down here it's it's hard to take it all in and I don't know if you ever actually understand it or you know it's like even if you do find your place that's only for a certain period of time so I think for us it's 
yeah, like it's happening and yeah. it's really like I've been down here for four years, but it's very stage driven for me. Like I did school for a while, then I was in this band for a while, and then I was in this band for a while. So it doesn't feel like it's been that long and it's it's been really interesting. Like it's it's got so many different facets of the same thing and like you can be in a one neighborhood and then you cross the street and you're in another neighborhood. Like right away, that's something completely yeah. different. A lot of people mm-hmm. come here to reinvent themselves. Yeah, you know. So the the ever heard the phrase tabula rasa, like blank slate, clean slate. Yeah, yeah. You know, like uh, the fact that the movie business is so big here makes perfect sense because it's a big blank silver screen that everyone projects whatever they think they are and whatever this town is, and it, it's whatever's on that screen is what this town is. You know, both for you yeah. personally and in terms of your career aspirations, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. I guess I could even say that for myself. You know, I I wasn't playing music that much the year prior to moving here, and I moved here because I wanted to do that, which is fun. I like that about L.A., but it's also a double-edged sword Yeah, because there's a lot of hungry people here, too. And I don't, I mean, there's a lot of people, like, that are homeless and stuff, but there's a lot of people that. I would say strive, striving too hard or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know, outwardly too hard. Yeah. It it becomes uh, affectatious or it becomes. Ah, what's the phrase? Because I don't want to badmouth people who are ambitious because ambition is not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, it's definitely a good driving good driving culture down here but the things the way that people compromise their own ethics and step on other people to get to where they're trying to get maybe therein is the problem Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of toes stepping and that kind of stuff yeah and it's hard not to get sucked into that because it's so much so much easier just to go back and step on those same toes yeah you know whatever happened to you the week before but yeah and when you start to get success and then there starts to be money involved, I mean, it's, yeah. I always say that you don't really know. People like to think they know what they would be if they won the lottery or if they won a huge record contract or sold a book that sold a trillion copies or whatever. Sure. But I don't think you really know. You'd <laughs> no. like to think that you would maintain, but I don't think you really know until you're there. Um, yeah, that's, that's another part of LA that's interesting to me because there's a lot of experiment going on. There's a lot of people that are... Either like they got money and now they're here or they don't have money because they've been here or there's just a lot of people like figuring things out, experimenting in their own personality, experimenting in their own new lifestyle, whether it's I'm an actor now, I'm a musician now or whatever these things are that people are coming out here for. Um, Yeah, there's just there's a lot of experimental people out here. Yeah. Which is kind of fun. It's yeah, it's it's a, well, it's a it's a creative, rich yeah. environment. People come here for a reason. Yeah, and there's so much good art and stuff. Yeah, like, gosh, there's so many good indie movie theaters. There's so many good art galleries. There's so many good venues, recording studios. It's all just and creative people. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, this just random people at Seven Eleven. Like, oh, that's Dwight Yoakam's bass player. Yeah, you know, there's a lot or, of people just. Or they whatever. They do really great things that are just roaming around, just living their lives. Yeah. I want to talk about something just a, a little bit personal here. Mm-hmm. You guys, you know, being a family, uh, you guys lost your mother just a few years ago. Yeah. Um, which I'm very, very sorry to hear about that. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, but how do you think that affected 
you as as people and as musicians i guess together being you know because being in a if, if i was in a band and i lost my mother like my bandmates would be like oh that sucks sorry joe but right. you're siblings <laughs> so you mm-hmm. carry that around together and you each have to approach that from your own place and each have to decide you know how you go forward from there like how does how did it affect you guys your working relationship how did it change yourselves how did it change you guys yeah well, i mean i think for both of us um that was a big turning point for us both to realize that we wanted to do music um, and do it more seriously. But it was definitely pretty separate pursuits at that point. Um, You know, for me, I just kind of, that's when I started writing. Um, That was a really big time just to start healing and processing what was going on through the songs. Uh, That was kind of the main thing that, the music just really helped uh, helped me process it. Yeah. You know, it was something I felt like I just kind of had to do. I just had to get yeah. it out, and that's that's what that's what was going on. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely similar experience for me too. I because like I moved to LA six months after that happened, and I like I said, I wasn't really playing music that much before, like in what I was doing before. I was just really average college kid, had my acoustic guitar in my room, but I didn't really play it very much. What were you studying in school that it wasn't, it wasn't music? Um, I was doing music, but I just wasn't writing and I wasn't, I mean, I play every day now for a long time. So it's not, I mean, I just wasn't picking up my guitar every day or even every week. You know, I was studying it, but I wasn't, I was doing more music business and that okay. kind of stuff. So I didn't, I wasn't pushed to write and I wasn't pushed to practice and learn new stuff. And that, yeah, like this, that event was something that really made me just, I mean, it's kind of cliche to say, but it made me realize that nothing's forever and you got to do the things you want to do, you know, as as soon as you can, because you might miss out on that opportunity otherwise. And it, and it mm-hmm. sounds uh, passe to say that, well, there's a good side to everything because what possibly could be the good side of losing a parent or a loved one of any any kind? Yeah, but it's ta- easier to see that now. Yeah, it's, but yeah. taking, mm-hmm. but things happen to people. You know, we will lose the people that we love, the dogs that we love, the, right. the friends. You know, we will, you know, we will survive these things. And if you can... You know, not turn into a good thing necessarily because that's not what I'm getting at. But you, yeah. you take that event and use it for something, or mm-hmm. get to a deeper place in yourself and connect to your music more, connect to each other more. Um, you know, tragedy brings people together. You know, and you guys have said you, you're siblings when you tour. You're siblings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's it's a it's a different situation. You know, there was a lot of energy that came out of that event and. I think we both were lucky enough to have something to put it into. Yeah. And lucky enough to have, you know, some something we can do together. Yeah. Because, you know, healing by yourself isn't always healing. Yeah. So, you know, the fact that we had each other and that we had music to really explore because we hadn't done that before. We had never played music together. Together, yeah. Maybe for 10 minutes in the living room yeah. at Christmas or something. But and boy, did that change. Yeah, so that was that was really our wake up call. Yeah, but I mean it it was pretty pretty unexpected because we were coming from such different paths, you know. Yeah, it, it made so much sense once once we were singing. We're like, oh, yeah, like, why wouldn't we do this? Why wouldn't we want to share songs and 
It was an epiphany and, moment. Yeah, and spend a lot of time and and really invest in a project with someone that's that we really care about. Someone yeah. that you like. Or yeah, and yeah. someone that'll someone that'll stick around, you know. Yeah, that's so, the thing, though. Because <laughs> there's no like you know if you're in a band and just with some guys from around town or whatever, something goes really bad, you can probably never see them again. Yeah. You can't do that in this band, so it, yeah. you definitely have. To, I, you know, we both have to treat it in a certain way. And yeah, like the communication and how we we go about it, with that. I guess it keeps it healthy. Yeah, we try. We make a conscious e- yeah. effort to not get. It's probably better to be in a band with someone that you have accountability to. Yeah, accountability. Because then you can't be as big of yeah. a jerk. You know, you're like you're. You have to be. You're in check right away because you know you're going to see him at Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's no escape, which is great actually it may it forces you to deal with things that otherwise could be just cast aside yeah and yeah. it makes you maybe write a song about it or yeah yeah just deal with it right away i, I love that i love that honesty talk to me a little mm-hmm. bit about your like your working relationship now because now you've been playing together for a handful of years how a couple couple years three years yeah almost two two years okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so now like when you like when a new song happens do you write together like do you guys sit down at the dining room table and like hash out an idea or is this a situation where kaylee you'll bring in an idea and say oh i've got this song and i've got like a verse and a chorus and a bridge but i don't have all the lyrics or or you is it mm-hmm. Like, how do you approach it? Because everybody does it differently when they co-write. Like the Beatles, like they're, you know, it's Lennon McCartney and all those tunes. But it's obvious that that's a Lennon tune and that's a McCartney tune. And maybe John tweaked a little bit. See, I feel like our EP is that way. Mm Because we we still write pretty separately. But on on our record this coming out, we spend a lot of time together working on the songs um, and making them more of a cohesive project mm-hmm. where the ep because we weren't t- we weren't really near each other kaylee was in ireland and i was in california so that that to me feels more like a separated songwriting thing there's two of my songs two of kaylee's songs and yeah okay. we're both singing and playing on both of them but at least to me i can i can hear it maybe yeah no, you wonder how know. much of it's I but mean, on this new record head, it's, yeah. it's really 50 yeah. 50 and all of our songs are co-writes there's not one that's just one of us you know when it, lyrics chord progressions everything is a co-write that's cool i mean but it's an always always an idea yeah you'll have a one melody of us will bring or, to the table or it'll be like 30 or 40 percent done a verse maybe part of a chorus or something or just a riff or whatever it is yeah well the idea has to come from somewhere like somebody yeah, exactly. starts with some idea and then you kind of go with it from yeah, there and but I, I think there's something that's kind of genuine about having um like a idea, I think it's hard for me to co-write with starting from nothing to people right away. That's like the Nashville way. Yeah, like you go in at nine a.m. a.m. You sit in office easy. and you like, or the Brill Building way, like yeah. you just hammer out a tune. Yeah, yeah. I think we could do that, but I think there's something to be said about one person figuring out an idea, or at least enough of an idea to where it makes sense to another person, and then you work on it because mm-hmm. it's more of a complete thought. I also just think that personally just to tap into like different moments or different scenarios that you find inspiring, like you can't force that, you know? And I think, um, I want the song to feel natural and for it to be honest. So yeah, 
I mean, we could like that I'm just kind of just, comes, yeah. the inspiration comes about. It's kind of fun because we can honestly have two songs about the same thing, but one from my perspective. Oh, yeah. From her perspective. Like maybe it's the same one conversation we had, but it's two completely different songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the gender difference also factors in there too because, you know, some siblings are are the same, you know, guys or two women. And it's a different perspective to have a man and a woman in the band. It's really different, Mm -hmm. yeah. I definitely notice from you, Kaylee, a lot more sensitivity in songwriting, in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah, I, I, think, just, yeah. I think something that comes natural to women more. Maybe, yeah. Or, I mean, it's it's even just, like, the more more you write and more you write with different people, too. You know, you can yeah. you can kind of turn off that and, like, yeah. get a level of separation. Here's, a, here's an interesting. Songs. This is, like, a little bit of inside baseball songwriting, but do you ever... When you're writing, like whoever comes in with the main idea for the song, like mm-hmm. would you come in and say, okay, I've got this idea, but I think you should sing this. Oh, this yeah. should be mm-hmm. your line, oh, yeah. not mm-hmm. my line. Because I find that really, really interesting. I think the Cowboy Junkies uh, are an example of this where uh, Michael Timmons is the writer. Margot Timmons is the singer. She doesn't really write very much as I understand it. So Michael, all sure. those songs, he's writing from a female perspective as a male. And it's very, but and it hmm. seems genuine to me when you listen to their music. Like it seems like he's really somehow captured, like the essence of of fe- and coming. It's, it's coming out of a, a woman's voice. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. just sound like a woman reading a, singing a guy's lyrics. Yeah. It really feels like the way it should. And I think you know I would I, I maybe I should that be my next songwriting exercise. I'm just going to write songs for girls to sing and try to like get to the heart of that. Yeah. I never thought about that before. I've definitely written songs with and for girls before, women. Chicks. So, chicks, bro. I've definitely done that before, so it hasn't ever really felt that foreign to me. I've probably written with, well, yeah, I've probably written more like girl songs and guy songs, yeah. actually. I mean, I would leave it up to the women to decide whether or not it was natural for me. You know, like I, yes. I can present that, but like, you know, I need to know. I mean, I've, and it's, it's different when someone just sings harmonies on your songs. Like that's a different sort of thing. Yeah, but yeah. the lead, but when it you're, really... And it's the lead. And you guys do also do something, and I'd like to make sure the audience knows this, is something really unique about what you do. Um, you're doing like, I call them like co-lead vocals or shared melody. You know, like yeah, the, like the Jayhawks that do that. Too. Or the uh, Leuven Brothers, Reverly Brothers, where it's, the Jayhawks is the example that always comes to mind for me, where in the same song, two different people will be singing a melody line. It's not one person singing the melody and then someone adding a harmony on top of that. It's actually two parts. And in some cases, you know, this is when I think of the Jayhawks again, um, and I've been fortunate enough to write a couple songs like this, where there's two lines, two vocal, and Indigo Girls are really good at this, yeah. where there's two lines, but neither one is the melody. They're both the melody. One doesn't exist without the other. They're yeah. they they're you know they're uh, not not even counterpoint, but they're they're part of the same whole. They're both super strong. I feel like that band First Aid Kit okay. does that so well right now. Okay, um, two female singers from Sweden. They're sisters too. They are sisters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do that so well. 
man, I'm going to get, I'm going to bust yeah, my fun. brother's chops. Cause I had, I had one brother, my, I have two brothers, but I'm the older of the two, uh, he's next in line in our family. I tried so hard to get him to play bass. I'm like, man, I want, you got to be in my band. I got to have, I <laughs> yeah. got to have someone I can count on, man. Yeah. You know, learn to play bass. And you know, I don't think he was, he was into other stuff. Uh-huh. I, I, I wish I'd been able to, maybe I'll, I'll bust his chops and get him to play some bass again, <laughs> which means starting from zero, but whatever, we're all starting from somewhere. Yeah. Uh, how about one more tune? We've got enough time for like one more song. What's this going to be? What's in this your quiver? This is actually one of those songs we were just talking about. This is one where there's two leads, I guess, ah. right? Yeah. Yeah. This song is called Evening's Wake. And this is one that Kaylee actually brought to the table originally. It was. This Kaylee, one... tell me just a little bit about it, about the song before we sing it. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so I graduated from college a little over a year ago now and um was just kind of dealing with a lot of what am I doing after that there's so much unstructured and uncertainty and um I think like this song I I wrote at our parents house in Santa Cruz and uh which is just a a really inspiring place for me uh just because it's it's home you can be comfortable and and be honest there and uh yeah, this one's just kind of talking about uncertainty and also realizing just how it's so much in our human nature to want to be comfortable, but how what we go back to and what what's comfortable isn't necessarily what's going to be the best thing. And we realize that a lot of the time, but we'll still go back anyways and, and those kinds of things. It's, so. the, it's the comfort food of life. Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Indeed. All right, so this is the song Evening's Wake. Looking forward to hearing this. The Native Sibling on Independence Day. As the glaze covers my eyes A coin of gold unrecognized Walking down the street alone By what means we try to gain as we set the table Say our grace for those who know Will know that they're needed oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. them in our reach for the times when we will know that we need them. There is hope that it will change with the turning of another day. Now I won't go back, back to We tried so hard to bury it And I won't go back, back to them I'm still Back to 
And I know now to refrain From all I had once Meant to say for written words Holding proof to those who read them There is hope that it will change With the turning of another day No, I won't go back Back to them With the weight of winter's wind And we try so hard to bury it And I won't go back Back to them Oh, and with the fear you never meant And you try so hard to bury Native sibling, they are Ryan Williams and Kaylee Williams. Uh, hopefully, new friends of mine. Excellent music. I look forward to hearing more from them. They've got a brand new record uh, coming out early next year. It's going to be called "Letters Kept to Ourselves." Should be out by spring of 2014. Also, an EP and a live thing you can pick up. They both came out in 2012. Uh, siblings, so very happy to have had you on the show tonight. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, so much. Joe. Thanks for Thank coming you. out and sh- sharing your your experiences in music and and the music itself. It's uh, again, I think the third or fourth time I've said it. I love quiet music, and if you get loud, that's okay. I'll go with you there too. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to like offend you. I, uh, I like loud music too. You know, but I, I, I have I, sex in the car. I so do. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't put on the cowboy junkies. Although I will say this, like. Uh, <laughs> You know, when I'm, I was jogging on the treadmill back in Chicago because you can't, I mean, I guess you can jog outside, but it's frozen and it's uh-huh. miserable. Horrible. Yeah. So I was at, I was at the gym and I was putting music on back when we had CD Walkmans, Discmans, what they call them before the iPod. And I would put that, bring that in. I was like, okay, I'm going to put on uh, the Chili Peppers because like, okay, that's loud, like fast driving music. Uh-huh. And I put Blood Sugar Sex Magic on and I'm jogging and it's like, and I'm thinking it's going to be really driving and it's like. It's not fast, yeah. right? And then like, okay, we'll skip that track. And then it's the next one's like, but it's like, oh, that's not fast either. It's like, oh, that's not gonna work. So then I picked another band. I like I brought Zeppelin in. It's like, okay, that's got to be fast and up tempo. Yeah. You know, that's not really fast either. That's when I realized I have no up tempo music in my entire collection. I had nothing. Did you at one point in time? Not really. Because I definitely grew out of it. So I went. But or, I, or, yeah, I wouldn't even say I grew out of it. I still love punk rock. Yeah. I, like, I think I, I like music that's inspired by punk rock. Like, I love Uncle Tupelo. Yeah. Like, in their first mm-hmm. record, it's a little aggressive. But, like, the pure, uncut punk is a little much for me. 
Okay. But the whole point of the story is that that's when I, I decided, like, well, I'm just going to go the other way. And I would literally put on Cowboy Junkies or Mazzy Star when yeah. I was jogging. And it was like the music is now languid and quiet and uh-huh. super slow. And I'm like, and I'm kicking it, running seven-minute miles. Right. And like that seems somehow it worked. So I don't know. I've got some, some weird crossed Seven-minute miles? That's not too bad. <laughs> well, for the end part. Yeah. Not the whole thing. But uh, so, you know, so the, the, maybe I've just got synapses crossed. So I'll go with you. Okay. Like if you want to get louder yeah. and expand, I'll go we with might. you. But like, I'm, I like Especially it. towards the end of your jog. Because, you know, yeah. we're, we're going to be following you around the neighborhood now. Yeah, that's cool. With the guitar, just singing. Please. So Please we'll uh, cater the set list. I would like that. I would like that very much. Yeah. That sounds like a commercial. Like now a I'm picturing the, like a band set up in the corner of a gym. Which Yeah. I was I'm thinking sure more of like the back maybe. of a pickup truck. I was imagining you guys mm. being in the back with like a bale of hay. Like sure. Driving really go. slowly next to me as I mm. jog. I could actually be into that. A couple chickens. Anyway, keeping it real. Yeah. <laughs> keeping sibling. it rural. Thanks keep so it, much keep for it having Very us, nice, Kaylee. <laughs> keeping it rural. Very cool. So thank you so much. Yeah. Everybody should look forward to this record. They should pick it up when it comes out. It'll be on iTunes. And you guys yeah, are thinking be. about doing vinyl, did I hear? Yeah, we're going to do vinyl. Um, we've taken some advice from some friends, and we're not going to do it right away. But yeah. we're going to do it like really soon after we do yeah. the CDs and digital release. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Well, looking forward to that. You yeah. can pick it up at the native sibling.com on the iTunes, follow them on Facebook, follow them on Twitter. You know where to find them. It's pretty easy to find you guys. have got a unique enough name. And it won't be hard to find. Come say hi. Please on do any of those places. Please, Please do. do. Please do. Oh yeah. And one last thing. Uh, they've got some upcoming shows tomorrow night. I should have been promoting this all along. You guys are at the hotel cafe, which is a great place to play. Yeah. We're excited. This is the first time we've played there as this as duo this project yeah um, we're playing with the band heathens and they're really good great so, great venue great room yeah it's gonna be an awesome night we're great really night and then the bootleg bar not too long uh, just a couple weeks away thursday december 5th pick Indeed. up tickets for that and then if you happen to find yourself in the greater santa cruz metroplex which you should which you should it's a nice place up there i've been through there uh, the Crepe Place is your holiday show Friday, mm-hmm. December 20th, right before yes. the, the winter solstice. Yeah. The longest nights of the year. That's going to be as crazy as intimate folk can get. Yeah. <laughs> I like that phrase. Yeah, you might uh, you might have a mandolin, maybe. Yeah, you know, we might. An accordion? Um, mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> anyway. Jingling the bells, crazy. yeah. Exactly. Enough tomfoolery <laughs> out of you guys. So thank you so very much to Ryan and Kaylee from The Native Sibling. Also to the Independence Day staff, Valentino Rivera, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another.